Welcome to the Harmony Perspective, where we talk about real churches with real pastors facing real issues. Hey folks, welcome to the Harmony Perspective. It is the beginning of summer. It's summertime, boys. Welcome. What's up? Howdy, howdy. So this afternoon we have Patrick and TJ. My name is Ben, and we're jumping into a topic today about turning the ship um, when it comes to church revitalization and and how do we get folks from the pew to serving. Um, so we're excited to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, we have to ask a question. So summertime, what does that look like for HelloFresh? HelloFresh had some salmon with uh, smashed potatoes and caramelized Brussels sprouts. That's pretty good stuff. Actually, Amy's done the cooking the last few times we've done those, so I just kind of enjoyed eating them. That's They've awesome. been good, though. She, is she taking out all of her frustration on the smashed potatoes, like smashing them down Probably. with her fist? They're, they were pretty creamy instead <laughs> of smashed. <laughs> so today, again, we're, we're talking about revitalization, and we're talking about turning the ship. You know, if you don't know this, uh, any large organization and a church is not excluded it's like a huge, massive cruise ship, and it takes a lot, and it's very slowly, um, but it takes a lot for this ship to turn. So let's jump into that, guys. I think it's such a relevant topic because, as the North American Mission Board put out, over a thousand more churches closed than opened for Southern Baptist last year. And regardless of the organization you're with, if you're closing a thousand more of something than you're opening, you're not doing too good. You know, that's that's negative growth. And that's what we've seen across the uh, denominations as a whole is just there's a decline in believers in America. And so our topic today, how do you turn that ship around? How do we write this thing uh, is very pertinent. And so... You go back in Harmony's history to about 11 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, when Harmony had gone through, Harmony Baptist is the church we all pastor here, uh, Harmony had gone through some really hard times as uh, some pastoral turnover, some uh, membership turnover, and really financially were at a place at, at one point where they were having to choose which bill to pay. Uh, each month because they couldn't pay them all at the same time. But but God is a God of providence, right? He knows what he is doing. He moves the pieces where they need to be. And so in his perfect power, uh, he, he prepared the hearts of the people. They had gotten to a place where those that were here had to serve because they were the only ones here to do it. And so they had gotten to that place of desperation. And I really think that's what turning the ship is all about. When your people get to that place of desperation where they're desperate for the Lord and they're desperate to see the Lord work, that's when the catalyst is there for the ship to turn. And so uh, the, the real uh, catalyst for all of this was bringing Pastor Woody Oliver here, God brought him here and Woody can tell you this story where he didn't want to come said no the first time he was asked but the church as a whole gathered 70 members strong and prayed that he would say yes 
And so the Holy Spirit just convicted him and, and showed him that this was the place he needed to be. So he eventually said yes. And even with that, it was slow going. The South Carolina Baptist Convention loves their churches and they want to see their churches uh, become mission-minded and, and healthy. And, and so they put out these uh, programs that they try to lead people through processes. And Woody was leading this church as one of those, the intentional church multiplication process came about. And what he understood, though, through that, it wasn't that the ICMP, the intentional church multiplication uh, process, was great for Harmony, but what it did was belie the fact that they needed some spiritual growth before they could actually move forward. So through that, they came to relational discipleship. So what is relational discipleship? That may be a word that that we all don't know. I mean, maybe we've heard discipleship in our church before, but when we say relational discipleship, what do you think we mean by that? Well, first and foremost, it's leaders that have a desire to create an atmosphere for people to have relationships together. And then within that atmosphere of relationship, um, starting a discipleship process. And uh, just from Matthew 4.19, we see what a disciple is. Jesus tells his first two disciples that he calls. He says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we see throughout that verse, a definition of a disciple would be somebody that follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and somebody that's on mission with Jesus. And so we look for opportunities within the relational environment to help others become closer to Jesus that follow him and help them desire change within their life so they look more and more like Christ. And through that change, uh, since it's Jesus doing it from the inside out, that they would have a desire to be on mission, whether that's evangelizing, uh personally reaching out to people within their community, uh, leading and serving within a church or community, however that looks like, just being on mission with Jesus. So creating that atmosphere that's relational so you can speak into people's life uh, as far as discipleship. That's great. That's a, such a great definition and a huge idea of, of being relational and discipling. You know, in the typical church or the typical organization, 20% of the folks do about 80% of the work, right? So that that's a principle called the Pareto principle, and it's applied in so many different areas. Uh, uh, you know, we hear those same 80-20 statistics, but one thing that we've seen at Harmony is 80% of the people are involved in 80% of the work or more. It's like everyone's jumping in. We, we're turning that that principle kind of on its head uh, a bit and really expecting folks to get in and serve. And, and that's not something new. It sounds like that's been going on even prior to my time. It's been going on for a while. Yeah, so I got here in 2013 when these relational small groups began. And, and what I think it did was it put them in environments, put us all in environments where we cared about each other and, and we had this accountability for each other where we could actually share what we were doing and challenge each other to, to continue doing or to seek out what else you could do. Because uh, 2013, 2014 were really the, the, when the ship shifted. So it was 
uh, 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 close to a U-turn at that point. Now, Woody had done a lot in the background for a few years leading up to that, and so the, the turn had been coming. But 2013-2014, but we baptized like 40 people that year. And, and I think it really, uh, the relational small groups put people in environments where Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 kind of came alive. Like, you can't spur somebody that doesn't care what you think. Right, it's the the saying they they don't care what you know until they know that you care, and, and so I think the relational small groups put people in the these environments where they started to care what these other people had to say to them, and, and so Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five where we're to spur spur one another along to love and good deeds that really came alive, and so we saw. Uh, some some outreach began, and we've talked about that in previous podcasts because people were spurring one another on, and, and so in a, in a church of a hundred and seventy five, one hundred eighty at that time, you've got a hundred people signing up to go and work at these different outreach that was going on, and, and there was just an excitement and a passion about it because people saw what the Lord was doing and saw that they could be a part of it. And it, it kind of reminds me of the early church, right? So the Acts chapter 2 church where things were in common and folks were sharing not only the needs among themselves, but were sharing in their community and meeting together and breaking bread together and praying together. Um, it, it's really beautiful to see some of that play out in today's church, not just the New Testament church. For sure. And you, you were talking about Pastor Woody coming along uh kind of it was a divine thing you know the holy spirit worked on him and was working here in that church and uh, patrick you and i was talking about this just a little while ago uh, as a matter of fact about certain leaders needed are needed in certain areas uh, some are very very strong leaders and there are churches that's not quite ready for that that strong of a leader and then there are other leaders that that are great leaders but maybe are not quite as upfront and strong about things and there are some churches that really need somebody that's that's really motivated, really driven, with a great vision uh, that can really run forward. And um, and that's what this church was needing, and that's what Woody was, somebody that was ready, motivated to push forward. And we're reminded in Ephesians 4 that, you know, the, the teachers, the apostles, the, the preachers, they're given to equip the saints. And... That is exactly what Harmony needed at that time, and that's exactly what Woody was able to bring uh, with his leadership personality and characteristics. Absolutely. And so from that point, though, we, we got this great start, and, and everything started moving, and we, we flipped that percentage where it was 80% doing 80% of the work, and so we kept moving forward with that. But as the church continued to grow, the way to motivate those things, the things that were needed in order to spur one another on began to change as well. And I think that's something that you've got to be aware of, that what motivated people in the past will not necessarily motivate them in the future. And so there are these micro shifts that have to occur as you're uh, moving forward. So as that ship is turned, there's these little adjustments that have to be made in order to not just spin around in a circle and, or, or do a U-turn and start heading back the direction you were going. To keep it moving in the right direction, you got to make micro adjustments. And so I think we've seen a lot of that in the way that we've uh, began to 
upon these new leaders who have taken charge and have different ideas and have run these different directions. Uh, and, and it's not centrally located anymore. It's all of these leaders in this kind of web of leadership that are all pushing us in the same direction. And, and it's neat to see I'm part of the relational discipleship process here at Harmony specifically. Um, so because of what shifts was starting to happen in the 2012-2013 years that Patrick was talking about, um, some leaders were, were kind of born out to to have small groups that would be discipleship groups that would be people that these leaders that Woody was pouring into would then pour into other people I was actually invited by one of those leaders to church and into a small group Um, so that's when I started coming to Harmony was in the middle of 2013 because I was invited by one of the leaders that would be a small group leader that would be one of the discipleship group leaders and uh, then I was poured into by him. I was poured into by, by Woody. And then Patrick came along. I was poured into by Patrick uh, through student ministry and serving under him and there in that area. And, and through the process, and I think that's one of the biggest things. It's not like it was a bunch of checklists that the leaders here at Harmony checked off for me and said, all right, you meet all the requirements. It's been a process and still is a process even up to the day to where Patrick's like, Man, discipleship can be messy with you sometimes, but uh, he, he loves me through it and works with me through it. But um, it is a process, and I'm a product of that, so I'm, I'm fully engaged with it. It might be messy, but it's always a joy. <laughs> and it's always worth it, right? That's right. At the end of the day, it's always worth it. Uh, one of the things, so we looked at our, our history and looked back at slowly turning the ship, but you know, what are we doing now uh, to make sure that we're on the right direction and the, the headed in the right way? And one of the things that came to my mind as we've talked about is the idea of having a discipleship pathway. Um, So at Harmony, we have a fully engaged disciple pathway. So our desire is for folks to become fully engaged, fully developed disciples of Jesus Christ. So we got a great definition from TJ a moment ago, but how do we begin to build disciples if we're thinking about the old Lego set? You know, how do we take all these pieces and begin to put it together? Um, So we just try to create a simplified pathway doesn't have to be linear. It can can look up however it works for your church. But for us, um, one of the thoughts is, hey, if you're going to be a fully engaged disciple, you need to be engaged in the body. You need to be coming to worship and engaged in the body. And uh, you need to then take a step and maybe be in a small group, or maybe that's your first step coming through the doors, being in a small group. We want you to be serving, to understand that you're gifted that God has given you unique gifts and talents, and He expects us to use them. And then finally, we want you to actually do something with it, to go on mission, to begin to serve and uh, begin to share that with other folks. And there's all kinds of other small things that factor into that idea of developing a disciple. Um, But for us, you know, those are some of our biggies that, that we're asking our folks to be a part of. For too long, I think, the idea of being a church member um, you know, Patrick, you've even used the phrase country club church member, which was, hey, let's be on the membership role for all of the things that we get. But we want to be able to push that idea that it's not what we get, it's what we give, right? Yeah, we should, we should be willing to be a part of the church and, and serving the church, whether we derive anything and benefit from it, because it's what God's called us to do. 
he's not called us to, to come and sit in a pew. He's called us to go and, and be on the mission with him. And our treasures aren't to be here, right? And this, we're not storing up treasures here. The, the good things we can get, you know, quote unquote there. But it's, it's literally our, 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 what we get, our gift, it, that's what's waiting for us to come. So. And, and I think you would look at our people and say they are joyful church members because they serve so well. That's right. Yeah. The, the, they build camaraderie. They build the fellowship between them as they serve. Um, we sent, you know, 14 down to um, St. Helena Island to go and work on a mission house. Those people are closer after those two or three days together than they were when they left. And all of them were excited about the work that they did while they were there. That's right. That's right. Well, it's kind of that idea of the Dead Sea and water flowing into the Dead Sea, but nothing flowing out of the Dead Sea. What does that create? Death. A lot of saltiness. Yes. So if you don't want salty church members, make sure that they're giving out of an outflow, right? So that we're not just sitting here. We joke about that, but literally we're not just sitting here receiving and not giving. I think God has created us to be conduits, funnels, to be able to give our life. Absolutely. And and I think it, it also rises and falls with the leadership. If there's no vision, the people wander. Proverbs 23 tells us that. And so when that, maybe 29, fact check me on that one, TJ. Um, When when there is no vision, the people wander. And so when there's not a firm vision, the people don't know what to be excited about. They don't know where to serve. And so having core values, having uh, a, a vision statement that's robust that people can get behind and be a part of, that's all definitely something that, that the leader has to do and you have to keep it in front of people over and over again. 29. You got it on the second, uh, the second uh, shot. Very good. But as far as leaders, uh, one other thing I would say, so you're talking about vision and, and people wondering, um, as as leaders, if you're a pastor, a leader uh, over some area of ministry, I think one of the, the biggest things that you can do to help as far as providing something for your people to get engaged with is looking for opportunities to serve. So we've talked about getting people to serve, looking for those opportunities and, and legitimately providing those opportunities for your people. And something that's meaningful too, right? So we got people that that are engaged in in handing out bottles of water at graduation. Right. You know, they're they're serving our community. We got people that are. Uh, we had a snack rotation that they were providing snacks for the staffs at the local schools for those teachers, so the teachers could feel the love of Jesus and the fact that we love and support them. Uh, we got sports camp coming up where we'll have you know hundred people signed up to help pour the gospel into kids. There's it's not just service; it's meaningful service for the kingdom of God, and not just the pastors handling it, but providing that opportunity for others to get involved. That's right. And one of the last things that that we do at Harmony that I think you can take even for your own church is the idea of high expectation membership. Um, so we started in uh, 2021 a process that we call Meet the Pastors. And it's just an opportunity 
on a every two to three month basis for folks who have been coming and attending but never taken that step for membership uh, to take a new step and uh, be able to meet us, hear our story, but for us to also hear their story. And then when we finish that event, we actually give them an opportunity to go through and hear videos of us talking about our core values, our discipleship pathway, what we believe, and then finally what we expect, which is a membership covenant. So, you know, that is setting the bar of membership pretty high, um, yet we're seeing people rise to the occasion. Yeah, and I think it's so important because this is meaningful. This is being a part of a local body that God has planted here for the purpose of his ongoing mission to seek and save the lost. I heard somebody say it's easier to join the local or it's easier to join the church than it is the YMCA. And that ought not be. We have a big job. Not that we ever want to take away from what people are doing, but we want them to understand that there's a cost. Just as Jesus laid out the cost of discipleship, we have to lay out that there's a cost to being a part of the local church. All right, folks, I think that wraps it up for us today. We're hoping that you two are turning the tide and turning the ship in your church. If you have questions or if you have comments, check out that email address that's in our our, uh, comments right below our episode, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear questions that you may have or ideas that you may have for future episodes. And if you have not done it, please like, share, subscribe so that you can hear all the content as soon as it drops and uh, have the Harmony Perspective as a part of your life. Don't just listen, be about it. <laughs>